So we ended last time um, with this question, which was based on a pasuk in Parshas Miketz, which was, as of last week, had just been a few days before. So it was even more timely then. Where Yaakov says to his sons when he's kind of saying, okay, so I guess you do have to go back and bring Binyamin (laughs) to this crazy unpredictable Egyptian prince guy. Um, and Shimon, meantime, is locked up there, right? So, or Yehuda, yeah. Which what? So, finally, Yaakov says, okay, well, if you're going to go, then make sure you bring with you gifts. You know, do it right. So if you're going to go, then... I, you know, my first Tishtadlis was, don't go. How can you do this? Now you're convincing me that, in fact, Hashem is sending you, that you got to go. Okay, so then we got to do that right. So bring gifts with you, um, samples of sort of the land's produce from Canaan. Bring double the money, because you need to buy new, and you need to also give back the money which showed up in your sacks last time. Um, and take your brother and go, and I hope you'll make it back. The Kel Shakai, I'm saying it that way, it's really two of God's names. Kel Shakai yitain lachem rachamim. May God give you rachamim. So we talked about that last time, like, what is, the, what is that quality of rachamim? It's din that's delayed, that gives time for that development, right? It's not, it's not that din goes away, but it's deferred. Um, Hashem should give you rachamim lifnei ha'ish before this person and send you back <laughs> with both brothers and then whatever happens, happens. Okay, so there's, this is a prayer. And the question was, the name Kel Shakai, Shakai for sure means limitation of some sort, restriction. So Rashi quotes, Hashem who said, um, here, he says, Misha Amar la Olam die, the one who said, meaning God, who said to his world, enough, which is a medrash that says when Hashem was creating the world, it spread out and spread out and spread out the universe, the matter spread and spread and spread until he said, stop, enough. Yomar la Tsarosai die, he should say to my suffering also, enough, because from the time I was young, I never had peace for my suffering. I had the problems with my brother, and then I had issues about my wives, and then I had the, my daughter was, was abducted, and then Yosef was disappeared, and then now Shimon's in jail, and now I'm worried about Benjamin. There's always been something huge going on in my life. So may Hashem, who said to the world, enough, say to my suffering, enough. And um, we were puzzled by the question, why would he invoke the name of Hashem that's referring to limitation, restriction, boundary setting, which we tend, it's not what? Finiteness, yeah. Application of finiteness. Um, Saying that 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 which is finite has limits. I mean, that's what finite means, but that that which is material has limits. It can only go so far, it can only last so long, right? That's Misha Amar Lola Modai. 
why would that be the name he would invoke to say, may Hashem give you rachamim? Because Kel Shakai sounds like a name that we would relate with Din. Okay, in fact, we had um, the Nefesh Hachayim who says, this name uh, with Shakai, on this Pasuk, the Nefesh Hachayim says, the concept of this name Shakai is like the name Elohim. Hashem, the, God, the, the relationship of judgment and justice and nature and limitations and kind of immediate reaction, right? So why would that, why would he use that name? Okay, actually, it's, it's source Aleph on here, I just realized, so you could follow along with me. Um, why that name to say that Hashem should give you Rachamim? Okay, and the second sort of piece of that is Well, let's, let's realize that we have the same question in Baruch Sha'amar. Because Baruch Sha'amar, we quoted 10 different aspects of the Shem Havaya, the name of God, the Creator, which is the name of Chesed, and creation and giving and flowing out. And just like the creation goes through 10 stages, 10 worlds, 10 spheres, as it materializes and gels into the world that we know. So these ten, name, 10 aspects of this name of God describe the creation of the world and corresponded to the 10 statements with which the world was created. And those are the introduct, that's the opening of Psuke de Zimra, which is the section in our four row, in our four row table. That's the section about nature, forces of nature, Justice, din, limitation. So, okay, does zimra? Zimra means to prune. So that's like more like shakai, right? Okay, enough. Don't grow any further than that. This is your shape that you should take, and you'll grow best in that shape, right? It's a different relationship. So what we have then is, a con- and then when we get into this part of the bracha, it opens with baruch Hashem hakel haav harachamon. So we're back to rachamim again. So in a sense, the question that we have in Pesukit Zimra, in Baruch Sha'amar, is the question we have on this Pasuk in Miketz, which is, how come when we are invoking or praising God as a God of justice, we could do that and then lead to Rachman? sort of like that, that in-between, that gray zone, between sneezing and not sneezing. Okay. So this is kind of the question, meaning we're accustomed more to seeing something as Hashem says, here's how you're and over here what we're seeing is actually something that looks more like a process. It's chesed, which is then expressed as through din, and yet what we're hearing is that that will, could bring us to Rachamim, which is really an interesting, by itself, a very interesting thought. And especially when you think of those first three spheres as chesed gvura Rachamim, so her chesed din Rachamim, 
um, we start to realize that this is a process. And we've talked about it already with the Gavura quite a lot, how Gavura is the expression of chesed. It's not separate. It's not that there's chesed. And by the way, there's also this other thing called Gura, and it's one or the other. But it's actually chesed, which then gets expressed and put out as Gavura. So now we're learning something new, which is that that <coughs> can then be the source of rachamim. Hakel ha'av harachamim, or the kel shakai tein lachem rachamim. Okay, so the question is, how is that so? So we ended last time, I think, was that I, we talked about, um, from Rav Baruch HaLevi Epstein, I think I actually, yeah, I put that here as source number gimel, Oh, first, before we get to Gimel, let me just read the first Rashi, which I think I read last time. Um, the first Rashi, which over here, it's marked Yudalid. It's not, I mean, it is Pasuk Yudalid, but it's also point number Yudalid because of the way that this source sheet maker breaks down Rashis and numbers them. Okay, Vikel Shakai, why is he suddenly saying a prayer here? Rashi's kind of going to explain to us, because what he first said was a strategy, right? He said, you bring fruit, you bring the nuts, you bring the money, you bring the kid, and may Hashem give you rachamim. Me'atoa, as of now, enchem chaserim klum. You're not missing anything. We figured out everything you need to pack. We've got the strategy for how you're going to deal with the situation. The best hishtablos possible. So the only thing missing is tefillah, is davening. Hareini mispalel aleichem. So I'm davening for you. The interesting Rash says I'm davening for you. He doesn't even say I'm davening for me. You know, it seems like his loss would be what he would think about. He's not even saying that. He says, I'm davening for you. That's the missing piece. Now, what I want to point out is that hopefully, <laughs> by the end of today, what we're going to see is why these two different statements of Rashi are actually one idea. In other words, the first idea is, I've done everything that I am able to do now the only thing left to do is daven. Okay, that's like a concept I think we could relate to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel helpless, so what else could I do? Okay, I'll daven. Which almost makes it seem like the least effective. Yeah. I mean, depending on your attitude about that, mm-hmm. it's either, okay, I'll take care of what I can, and now I'll do the real work, which is the davening, or like, okay, I did everything I could, now I'm stuck, so okay, fine. You know, that all depends on your attitude. And that that is connected to Hashem as the source of the limitation and finiteness and din. And through that is going to be the source of Rachamim. That he would invoke Hashem in the name of din and connect that to Rachamim. Because really, it's a little odd that this medrash is saying, "May Hashem, who said to the world enough, say to my tsaris enough." Because saying to the world enough is still part of the creative act. Like we're creating the world, and now it's just right. Stop right there, perfect. And tsaris, like, <laughs> what? How would you? How would you bring that same framing to the suffering? Ah, oh, yeah, perfect. Just, just like that, perfect. Stop right there. That doesn't seem like the same kind of stop. Because when you would stop Tsaris, like you'd hope they'd be kind of erased or something. Like, no more, all finished. I don't want to think about that. That's at least what we would come with. Whereas stopping the world would be more like preserve it just like that. I want it to be like that. 
Okay, so there's something we're missing still in understanding this statement that Rashi quoted from the Medrash, but I just want to point out that there's actually two concepts which really turn out to be one. One is, I've done as much as I can, now it's time to daven. And the other is, Hashem of Din, the, the relationship of Din is the source of Rachel. Okay. So we started with this Sefer Baruch Shamra. I'm not going to read the whole thing inside again, but the summary was that he learned out from Parshas Mishpatim, where the Torah tells us that if you see your enemy's donkey crouching <coughs> under its burden, you have to go help unload it. And the Gemara tells us that, the Gemara points out that the Pasuk said, if you see it is crouching, rovates, that's a verb, not ravtsan, which is a noun, one who crouches. Mm-hmm. Because if the donkey is a croucher, meaning it's constantly doing that, that's what Rashi said, if it's constantly doing that, then, you know, then the guy has his own problem and maybe he shouldn't keep loading his donkey up that way because it's clearly not getting anywhere. He can't keep bothering everyone around him to unload his donkey. Okay, which explains to us the last line in the bold, so what we clarify out of that is that the nun hasoger, putting a nun at the end of the conjugation, indicates a constant implementation of that midah. Okay, so he says we very rarely see Hashem called rachamon in our prayers. We have it here in Baruch Amar. We have a case in Ava Rabba, and we have a case in Shemona Esrei. But we do often see that Hashem is called Rachum, one who is merciful. So he says, so what do we learn from this? That there's a time when we praise Hashem as Rachamon. We're not just saying that he demonstrates mercy or Rachamon. We're saying that he constantly is demonstrating Rachamon. Constant really constant. Okay. And that's the kind of rachamim that is referenced in Baruch Sha'amar. So there's something, again, there's like this other layer going on over here that we want to try and understand. All right. So to do that, I want to look at a Svas MS. Yesterday was great. I had time to actually like type in these sources because they're not, they're not in the source sheet builder that I use. So they're, I had to type them. I hope I didn't make too many mistakes. And that's source dollar. Sorry? You actually have a program that It's free. There's a source sheet. It's called Sepharia. Uh-huh. It's right there at the top. Sepharia Source Sheet Builder. And it's a wonderful service. And it's very easy to build the source sheets. I and mean, this is what they look like. They're not stunning, but they're neat and clean and tidy, and you can use them. You just put in the source you want. You have to get used to its little quirks, like it does better with Bereshit than Bereshis. You have to put your sources in English, not in Hebrew, which seems funny. Limitation there. But it's, but, and it has a lot of sources. Very helpful for a lot of things. Okay, so here's the Svasemis. This is a Svasemis on Bereshis from the year Tafresh Lamed Zion. On the Pasuk, V'keo shakayitein lachem rachamim. Piresh rashi, misha amar la'olam odai, yomar la'tsarosai dai. Um, sorry, source number Dalid. Oh. So it's the, the first one on the second page, I guess, the back of it. Okay. On that Pasuk, may Hashem give you Rachamim, Rashi quotes, the one who said to his world, enough, should say to my suffering, enough. In order to understand this comparison, which, as I pointed out, is not so obvious if you stop and think about it a minute, other than that the language of the, Mish, of the Midrash was parallel. But the thought of the Medrash 
how is it parallel? Kihu gufa, like what what is this real comparison? Sarah Bior, you have to explain it. In order to understand how this comparison works, you have to first have more clarity. Why did Hashem say to his world, enough? What a fascinating question. He says, let's take another step backward. Hashem, who said to his world, enough. Well, okay, why? What is the creative function of saying to the world, enough? In what way does that perfect the world? We know it doesn't actually put the world into stasis and stop it. It stopped it from what's called hispashtos. It's spreading out more, expanding more. But it's not like it preserves it eternally, because the world is finite. So what, what's he doing? And how is that the final, like the Makabipatish, How That completes the, the building of the world. I got it to where I want it. And now there's this step called die, enough. What is it achieving? Omnam, perish haolamos, him hispashtus koach mamre Hashem The creation of the world is a process of hispashtus spreading out of the power of God's words. Okay, so it's God's word. His spreading out is maybe, let's say, unfolding. The unfolding of God's words into the reality that they create. That's the creation of the world. And through the power of God's words, it moves from one stage to another stage, until it finally gels as this lowly world that we have, which includes within it the world that God created. It starts with his speech, his word. That's the creation. And then it unfolds in 10 stages. And by the time it gets to the end of it, you have a world that is beautiful, but includes within it resistance to Kedusha. It does. There's Yetzirah, there's entropy, there's death, there, it's all, right? There's uh, waste material produced. There's, there's stuff that is anti-Kedusha going on. It's about this process of unfolding, where the unfolding has two things. One aspect of the unfolding is that it is the, the process of God's word of creation happening, and the second is the end result produces something, what, what would the word be? Contaminated? Almost like resisting yeah, its own creator? Like, like somehow in its lowering from stage to stage, like a step-down converter, you know, you have like your your 220 hair dryer, don't plug it in, you know, don't plug your 110 hair dryer into the 220 socket in Israel. You need to put a converter that will take the energy <coughs> in and put it out at a lower level. So that, you know, God gives speech and it's step by step, it's getting ratcheted down to lower and lower levels. We get to this low level and all of a sudden, like how low did you just get? 
where it's already resisting the source of Kedusha that created it. Ki be'emes zenaaseh. Why did God create a world? That, that's not, that's God's choice of how he created the world. He did this ba'avur avodas hatzadikim for the purpose, for the sake of the work of the righteous. Okay, in other words, the world was created so that human beings could do some certain type of avoda. And the righteous people, because that has to do with choice, okay, so the ones who do choose to do it, we'll call those the righteous people, those people need then to have an environment in which to do that choosing. That is the perfect environment for it. So Hashem created a world where it, it lowers step by step until it becomes this world. His will turns into a world that has some pretty serious flaws. But it's <laughs> some not, pretty serious problems. not giving us free will. Uh, that's part of it. Right. Meaning creating creatures that have the ability to have a hisnagdus lakadusha is part of the world having pieces of it. It's not only us, but it's there, okay? So the purpose of the world being created is so that people can serve Hashem in it. And the purpose (coughs) of our serving Hashem, which then will affect what that world needs to be like for us to do the job, the job is to turn what is bitter into what is sweet. So if it didn't start bitter, where's your vote? It's a totally unbelievable way of thinking about it. The job is to turn what is bitter into what is sweet, and to sift out what is true from what is false. And to do that, he created a world that in fact leaves room for that work to be done. Otherwise, we would just be all... We'd all, and all be, yeah, exactly. But we wouldn't be achieving an avoda, mm-hmm. which would, which would invalidate the purpose and meaning of our lives, which would invalidate the purpose and meaning of creation at all. Okay. On the other hand, God did not give into our hands the power to actually perfect it completely. So on the one hand, we have a job, and our job is to tackle this to take what's bitter and find what's sweet, to take what is sort of the dross all mixed together and pull out the gems of truth that are in the world and find them and apply them. And on the other hand, we never on our own can achieve perfection and success in it all the way. Because like the world keeps going on like being bitter and having a lot of falsehood. As Chazal have told us, that Hashem's goal in creation is that Midas Hadin will function, and he partnered with it the quality of Rachamim. Right over there, you start getting a hint why the Din and the Rachamim are, are they're partnered. <laughs> they are actually partnered. Okay. Chesed is the source of both of those, but those two are partnered. The Lachain Amar Laolamodai. So what is that partnership? It's when Hashem said to the world, enough. 
that is the moment of Hisorus HaRachamim, the, the wakening up of Rachamim. The wake, this is a different way of understanding this, die. It's not that when Hashem said die, that's the Midas Hadin happening. It's that, that the whole process of the creation came from Chesed and was a process of progressive din. That's nature is din, is an aspect of din. Not is din. Nature is an aspect of din. And that process where step by step it becomes more and more limited is a process of din. And when we get to die enough, that, that is the, the addition of Rachamim to the equation. That's where the partnership comes. So Shakai is a bridge between Din and Rachamim. It's the partnering of Din with Rachamim that says that's enough of that process of getting lower and lower. For all these things. Similarly with the avoda of the righteous. Asher Obviously, a tzaddik like Yaakov, who's an av for the whole Kla Yisrael, has perfected all the levels that he can. In fact, he kind of indicates, like with the Rashi, right? There, uh, there's nothing else I could do. At this point, right, Rashi says to us, Yaakov, it's not like I could, I could take on another two hours of being careful with Lashon Hara, and that will like give me a bigger merit for... I. He's, he's there. He's, <laughs> he's done it. He's maxed out. <laughs> right. So maxed out would suggest that he, he's drained. Right? Yeah, but, like he, but yeah, he, he's reached the max. The he's gotten to where yeah. he can get. Uvahagiyas basof. But when you get to the end then of his work, where the work is to turn the bitter to sweet, to sift out the truth from what is false, that is the moment. That's how you know it's time to ask for Rachamim. When you ask Hashem for Rachamim, it's because you've reached the end of your process. It's the same process of step down creation of the world, bringing it down and down and down to a level of charge where it is flawed, but it's just right. It's actually not flawed, it's perfect for the job. Right? Now you can use your blow dryer. Like now you've got a world you could use for people who will have free will. But then the process that corresponds to that is a process of progressive improvement and progressive filtering and progressive purification and progressive sweetening. When those two things have now achieved like a perfect balance, or let's say he said already we can't get it to a perfect balance through human effort. But it's gotten as far as you can get. That's the moment to say, Rachamim. In other words, it's time for Hisorus, it's time for you to say, die. Die to the tsaras, to the bitterness, to the falsehood, to the. Okay, it's starting to understand better what this parallel was that the Medrash was bringing. Kasher sof gemar habriya haya of harachamim. Just like the end of the creation which is chesed, but it's chesed expressed through a process of din. The, the clincher, the final step, is the participation, the arousal of rachamim into this equation. Same thing in a person's life and suffering. The first step is actually, what is it I can do? And it's not just about the peanuts and the, and the almonds and the money. 
right? It's what, what is God telling me he wants me to do? He's telling me he wants me to do a physical hishtadlis. He's telling me he wants me to do a spiritual hishtadlis. Okay? But at some point I see there is no, there's no more space for me to perfect this. That's when I need to say, Hashem, please send rachamim. Which makes every person's struggle a new creation of the world. Each person's own effort against that, the darkness, against the bitterness, against the falsehood, that, that process of working against that is comparable to the creation of the whole world and has the right to invoke the arousal of Midas Arachim just as much. And that's not crazy because, like we said, what is the purpose and meaning and value in our life? It's that we are fighting this battle. So that's what the world's here for. That's why it was created. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Um, the final repair of the flaws in the world comes from Midas Harachamim, Uve Ezer Habori, with the help of God. In the end, we always know that it's, it's our effort, and then... Hashem will step in. Look, look at Yosef. I mean, we're, this is the parshas we're in, right? Yosef and, and Mrs. Potiphar. I mean, what a horrible, horrible thing for a nice Jewish boy, right? And in the end, he struggled and he struggled and he struggled, but it, it, it seems like he was losing. He struggled as hard as he could, and finally Hashem sent him an image and a new way of seeing, whether it's seeing himself, seeing his father, right? And he fled. That, that's a sign that he, he did it. I mean, Hashem did it. The fact that Hashem stood up and gave him that, that final perfection and push, that is the clinch. That is the final closing off of the circle of the effort that he made. That's a good thing, that partnership. And that's what we learn from a Gemara, um, oh, it's not actually in this Gemara, it's, on, it's the Gemara in number Hey in Kiddushin, the person's Yitzhahara is always rising up. There's always more battle to fight, okay? But we're starting to understand why should there always be a battle to fight? It's what we're here for. Yeah, this is why we're here. There's always a new battle to fight with the Yitzhahara. And if not for the fact that Hashem comes to help him in Yahalo, a person couldn't do it. Okay, that I, people quote this all the time, and it sounds a little discouraging, right? Doesn't it sound discouraging? Like, if not for the fact that God helped you, you'd fail. It sort of sounds like you're lost. But look at the Pasuk, Shinamar. How does the Gemara know that it depends upon God to help a person? Otherwise, you couldn't fight the Yitzhahara. The Pasuk is Elohim lo yazvenu biado. God will not abandon you to his hand. <laughs> this is encouraging. Mm-hmm. Hashem will not abandon you. And at the moment where it looks like you've done everything you can, you can't do anymore, and you're still going to fail, that's not a sign you're failing. It could be it's a sign you're succeeding. Because Hashem will not abandon you. He's always the one who steps in at the last moment and, and does the last little extra push that will allow you to succeed. That's, that's normal. That's what it's supposed to be. That is a bringing of Kedusha into the world. 
That is bringing God's action into the world through our actions. That's being a partner with him. How awesome is that, right? Well, it seems like that's just our focus. Like, we know no matter what's happening, we still have the same focus. Yeah, you know, it's it not, doesn't. And, and as right. long as you keep that focus, then you're continuing the relationship with Hashem. That's right. It's, it's, the process here is our avoda. The success is not the part that's in our hands. Like Successful avoda is to continue pushing on. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of success in life, is to continue pushing on. Seven times the tzaddik falls and gets up. That's what makes you a tzaddik. Well, and also that Hashem defines our success whether we are right. successful. That's right. We, we look and say, can you measure the results? Can you, <laughs> right? Did you or didn't you? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, Hashem did it. Or I didn't see that he did it yet. Right? But that isn't his definition for our success. It's not the purpose for being here. It's not, so we got to focus on the part. Number one is you got to focus on the parts you have some control and influence over because you go out of your mind trying to focus on the things you don't have any control over and can't succeed in. That's number one. But number two, we're misleading ourselves. That goes down the path of Shekhar. Because if what we're trying to achieve is not the thing that's our mission, to achieve. So what have, what have we done? Like, do we really think God can't perfect the world on his own? He could do it on his own. Right. He could. So it's pretty clear that my job then is not the actual creation of the perfection. It's being the happy tool of it. Right? It's the effort to it. It's the choosing into it. Because I am a choosing creature. So now the fact that I was created with the possibility of doing right and wrong, that, that's the whole point, is that by choosing to be part of the good team, right, and staying with that and saying, Hashem, I'm choosing you. In this situation, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. The fact that I'm not really clear how I'm going to make it happen at the end, that's okay. My job is to turn the bitter to sweet and to find the truth that's sprinkled around and hidden by so much falsehood. But the tikkun, the actual repair, I don't know. It's not like God isn't strong enough to handle that. He could do that. Okay. So another piece that comes out of this, which is kind of cool. Um, this is source number five. So they bring Binyamin, and Yosef appears to let them go. He says, oh, that's very good of you to bring back the money. How strange, you know, that you ended up with it again. And um, it's been great. Let's have a nice meal together. I'll give you presents. Off you go. And then he sends maybe Menashe, right? He sends someone from the household. It's very interesting. I don't have the whole set of sukkim here with me, actually, but um, there's an interesting change in the lush in there. He tells the person, go hide this in the sack, and then he says, now I want you to go follow them and discover it again. And he has to urge him more strongly, meaning this loyal messenger of Yosef's is like, you want me to do what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't think you were that kind of boss. I, this doesn't work for me, right? So Yosef's like, would you just do what I told you to do? 
Okay, so he gets there. And each person opens up his sack. And he searched. He's, he's looking. He began with the eldest. And he ended with the smallest. And he found. He found the pitcher or flask in the sack of Binyamin. Okay, so it turns out that there's a Gemara in Pesachim, which I quoted here. And this Gemara in Pesachim, it's Dav Zayin Amud Beis, supposedly. <laughs> it is. Okay. It's talking about, it's Pesachim, it's talking about searching for Hamans. So one thing we learn is, from this Pasuk, that since the Pasuk says, you have to, it has to be that you won't find chametz in your house on Pesach. In order to make sure that doesn't happen, you have to make sure to find it in your house before Pesach to get it out of there. To make sure that you find, this Pesach teaches us you have to search. <laughs> I mean, there's finding that could be sort of uh, serendipitous, but if, if it's important to you to find something, then you search for it. He searched and he found. Okay? You want to find something, you search for it. Okay. Searching and finding. This model, and this is an idea I heard from Rav Moshe Eisman, and based on this pasuk brought by this Gemara. The Gemara goes on to say, by the way, so therefore we see that Hashem says that in the future, he is going to search Yerushalayim with candles. It's a betikas chametz. The same way we look at every crack and every crevice to find, God will go through Jerusalem with it like, like he's holding a candle, like a betikas chametz. That's what you do when you want to see everything. Not only that, What's the candle? What's the source of light? Well, Ner Elohim. What's God's candle? He's going to look with a candle. What's his candle? Ner Elohim Nishma Sadam. The soul of a person is the candle of God. That's a Pasuk. Which leads to some very interesting new ideas. That God is using, right, the, his human candles to search, to do this searching. Kind of ties back to that that's Vasemes, right? Our job is to turn the bitter to sweet and to sift out and find the truth that's in the falsehood. Okay. Now this idea where you use the candle, and that's a different kind of light. You're not allowed to search. This chipos, this kind of searching, you can't do it with a torch, can't do it with sunlight. Right? I mean, how funny is that, that we do B'dikas Hametz after dark? What? Why do you do B'dikas Hametz after dark? If you want to find stuff, should you do it when there's more light? Right? Because we need as much time as possible. <laughs> this is right, the last possible second. <laughs> you may be onto something there. <laughs> well, you're more focused. You probably can see better. Well, that's the question. Do you see better when there's more light? Do you see better when there's less light? So, depends what you're it depends what you're looking for, and it depends what your light is. So, if you're looking 
to see the outer shape of something, then the more light, the better. You can resolve it with more clarity. If what you're seeking is the inner truth of something, then the more you are focused on the outer form of it, the more distracted you are from being able to see the inner truth of it. So you can search with a candle, which is the inner truth of a person. Yeah, not, not that seven times, the sunlight that'll be seven times stronger, or the moonlight that'll be equal to the light of the sun. That's not what God's using to search out Yerushalayim, right? He's using the candle that's the inside reality of the person, okay? When you want to find an inner truth, if you want to find something inside of a sack, then when you open it, the light is just going to keep showing you the outside of the sack. So you got to feel around inside to find it. That's the chipus, the searching, is a process that the light that you're using is not the main way you're really finding it. Okay? That is similar to an idea we said last year. We learned it from the Pachad Yitzchak. He brought it on Purim. He brought it on Pesach. The idea of the king who sends the two men, two messengers, to go and meet people out in the middle of the night, and one has a lantern, and one doesn't. Remember this, Masha? So <clears throat> the, the messengers go out. Which one has the advantage? The one with the lantern. It's much easier for him to recognize which is the right person he's supposed to bring back from the street corner. Okay. But at 6 in the morning, when they're on their way back to the palace, who has the advantage? The sun rises. The guy with the lantern, this lantern doesn't, is not worth anything. And he's exactly the way he started. He found the person by using it, by using his lantern and kind of dim light. Okay. The one who didn't have a lantern, when the sun comes up, how did he find the guy in the middle of the night? He He had to ask him the right questions. What? Well, and he saw his light. He had to see what was inside of him. He had to recognize his voice. He had to recognize his handshake. He had to ask him the right questions to prove who he is, right? He had to develop, the way Rav Huttner puts it over there, I think more comparable to this is he has to recognize something deeper than just the external appearance. Mm-hmm. But the way Rav Huttner puts it is he has to develop new kochos hanefesh. Mm-hmm. He has to learn new skills. Mm-hmm. So when the sun comes up, the one who had no light has changed and is stronger. And the one who had a lantern the whole time it hasn't really grown at all. He has no advantage to him. And this he brings as like this lesson of Gullus, this whole long avoda of history where the majority of it is in some kind of Gullus or another, where we are having to serve Hashem in dark. It's true that it's harder, and it may appear to be less successful than the times of serving Hashem when there's the light. Because like, you know, you could do so much more. But what happens when the sun comes up? When the geula comes, what do you have? You have people who became something through effort and had to learn new skills and new loyalty in the dark. That, that's that same idea of having to develop and become who we are, right? This is Misha Amarlo Dai, the one who says to his world, okay, right there, should say to my tsaris enough. That's at the end. That's when, okay, there's no more to do, right? And that's a lesson of Yaakov, right? Yaakov, Yaakov who said maybe because he wanted to live in peace, and Hashem said, in this world? Okay. So they can don't look for peace.
peace per se in this world, for tranquility and relaxation. Yeah. You don't find that Sadiqim are saying, I wish I could just go to the Bahamas and sit out on the beach. Why? Because that's not what we're here for. It's not, it's, not, it's not a wonderful thing. Does a person maybe need to take a break in order to keep going? Yeah, it could be, right? I mean, we have to sleep too. Like that's not, that's okay, we're just human. But the fact that we're still struggling, that's a sign of life. It's a sign of life, and it's a sign we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna end with this. That's a, I put in here also on the source sheet. You'll see I put those, the Pasuk from Bracious about But we spoke about that already a week or two ago, so. But it's the same concept. That's describing a process where Hashem made this light and it's good and then he hid it away. And then there's this longer process through the rest of the world until we get back to the hidden light of separating between the light and the dark. So why did that's Yaakov ask for, for peace? Um, for, uh, that's, it seems to have been a mistake. When, he, oh, it, mistake when it says, his. yeah, Yaakov was hoping that he could just like sit in peace and quiet and just like learn and, you know, Right. You know, work like normal about his Hashem and not always be interrupted by all these problems. Uh-huh. And Rashi says over there, so Hashem said, what, not in this world. It's not for tzaddikim in this world. There's a lot of peace for tzaddikim in the next one. It's not, if you have it over here, then that's short term. And then what'd you gain? What'd you gain? So what was the point? Um, this is for you, related. Thank you. Can you do that? Um, there's a gift